I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Blaster Cannon, Den of Geek, Star Wars and Expanded Universe podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Seth, and with me is Paul... Oh, sorry. Hi. I had my I was muted. It's <laughs> <laughs> Paul and Isn't also me? Megan. Hi. <laughs> and so today we're here to be covering a grab bag of news, including announcements from San Diego Comic Con, the cast of episode nine, and the latest Star Wars book, Thrawn Alliances, which is very exciting. So this episode is mostly news stuff. We'll be covering Thrawn Alliances in depth next episode, I think. Um, because a lot of news has happened since the last episode that we recorded. Yep. Uh, if you keep up with Star Wars news, you will know this. If you don't, you probably know it anyways, because it's <laughs> out there. You'll know it now. Yeah, yeah you know true. it now. <laughs> so the first exciting movie news is that episode 9's casting announcement came out, and so we have a bunch of casting info, right? So the big one that I'm really excited about is Billy D. Williams is coming back as Lando, which I've been wanting for so long and I'm really excited about. Yes, I'm really glad it's long past time for them to have Lando involved. And he's such a natural choice because with the Resistance scattered and there's, what, 12 people left, they're going to be looking for friends. And Lando is a friend. He's one of the original trilogy heroes. Like, why wouldn't Leia go look for him? And we know a little bit about what he's up to in the Expanded Universe. He's back on Cloud City for a little while, was doing, like, various businesses. So... I would be very happy to see him have some kind of, uh, you know, way that the Resistance can get back on their feet because he's a great character and it would have made a lot of sense uh, from my point of view for them to bring him back for the middle installment, but bringing him back for for episode 9 is is something. So that was definitely also the name that was the one I was kind of most anticipating or most hoping to hear when we got this announcement. Yeah, this was a let's be real. This was kind of expected. This was like kind of like a lot of rumors building up for this one. And I'm not shocked that Billy Billy D is coming back, but I'm also very happy like Saf. Like I it's I wanted to see Lando back in the new in the series sequel trilogy. I wish he had a bigger role from the beginning, but you know, I, I'm sure there's a there's a story reason or they'll have a, a great story reason for maybe why he hasn't showed up, especially for episode eight. I really feel like that would have been a great time for him in multiple places to show up. Right. I know there's lots of people who say that he should have been Maz Kanata's scene, or he should have been on Canto bite, something like that. And I kind of, I see, and I agree with a lot of those ideas. Um, cause I wasn't really a fan of those things from that movie, but that's, I digress. <laughs> I digress. But that being said, I think they'll have a legitimate reason why he wasn't. And I'm really excited to see him fly the Falcon, potentially. Um, how amazing would that be? Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool to see that. Have him have one last reunion. Um, another big announcement that came with this casting announcement was that Carrie Fisher, um, what they said, will once again be played by Carrie Fisher using previously unreleased footage shot for Star Wars The Force Awakens, which means that we're not getting, um, what's the word, like a CGI Carrie Fisher, or we're not getting a recasting, we're actually going to be seeing her in her role previously, just shots from the first movie. Um, I am a fan of that, personally. I don't know how they're going to make it fit in, but I'm sure they've got a way. But I kind of prefer this over her just disappearing or being recast. I agree. I think this was the best possible option out of... Anything that they could have done, I think it's going to take a particular skill to make those shots make sense in the context of what we've seen, what we, what's going to happen in episode nine. I was about to say what we know is going to happen in episode nine, but we know very little. Um, Those scenes (laughs) might have to do with Leia talking to the Senate. 
They might have to do with uh, more of her talking to Billy Lord's character, but we don't really know. But I think that if anybody can do this, can make her character seem natural and write her into a scene that seems natural, it will be the people at Lucasfilm. I will be really curious to see how this is done, not just from, from a writing perspective, because there's a lot of changes you have to do and a lot of manipulation you have to do and also uh, from a story perspective you know what happens to Leia is she um, I want her to be a major part of the story and I think that this will enable her to be that without having to explain like too much why she why uh, Carrie Fisher is not available I also think it's possible that it could be mostly her voice with some alterations, um, similar to how uh, Obi-Wan's voice was modified to make the speech in Rey's vision in The Force Awakens. There's a lot that can be done that maybe we don't, uh, you know, we don't know what is possible yet. A lot of sort of creative ways that they can use her. I think it's a better idea than trying to do CGI or to bring in a new uh, actress, Kat Tabor, um, is very good. But I think that in this case, especially because Carrie Fisher means so much from pe- for people, um, it's this is the best possible choice. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's interesting, but it's also like what what are they going to do with? Do you really think it's going to be a substantial role? Because I don't think so. I feel like this is they're going to use and work around the footage they have and just fit her in the least amount of time as possible. I feel like she's going to get blown up within the first like 15, 20 minutes. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't think they'll kill her. Yeah. I doubt they'll kill her. That would be too much. That's it. I think really? they want to be J.J. Abrams and, and Lucasfilm themselves will want to be more respectful. I think quite likely um, – it would just sort of be considered bad form uh, to have her character killed at this point. What I, I do, even when I say that I am, that I want her to have a large role, I understand that there aren't that many lines. Um, that large role might be a very pivotal five-minute scene. I don't really expect her to be in a very long scene, but mm. I do expect her to be at a, a crux sure. of some kind or have an, a real emotional stake in the story. And and we could be wrong. She might she might still die. But I think that I right. think that so far Lucasfilm has been very delicate about the way they have handled Carrie Fisher's legacy and her connection to her character. To a lot of people, she is Leia. And I think that it is unlikely that we will see her meet her end in the film when her death, uh, the actress's death, you know, in the real world is still so important and tragic to people. I don't know if there are precedents for this. I'm trying to think of situations in which um, a movie sort of did this kind of thing, and I can think of examples in animation more than real uh, live action, which is a slightly different situation. So, But do you know, do either of you have any um, examples in mind of cases where uh, the character's death and the actor's death were had this much emotional linkage to them? Yeah, and that's a very large like question. This. Like I'm sure um, it happened at some point, think- but... Well, you know, now this is this is I've way before your guys' time, I think. But the Crow with uh, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son, uh, he was killed on set, and they released the movie, um, and he hadn't finished his scene. So uh, that's the only thing that comes straight to mind where they had to like, you know. But it was a little bit different because he was in like all white makeup and like long black hair, and that's a little bit easier to to get around, I think, than. Um, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how much he filmed of that movie. But yeah, he's in that movie, and they've still released it. And he was killed on set, which is nuts. Um, which you know, thinking about it right now, do you think they do that now? Back opposed to like the mid '90s? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, people definitely do die on set these days. Still, like I haven't with that Deadpool. Sure. Um, yeah, stunt that's woman. true. The only thing I can think of that's kind of close is Philip Seymour Hoffman from uh, the Mockingjay films. Because, I mean, not so much the character, but he was a beloved actor. Um, oh, yeah. and his death was quite tragic for a lot of people. And they 
uh, um, they I think what they did was recut a couple scenes because they'd filmed the two movies back to back, but they recut some stuff from the earlier parts to be in the second part instead. Um, and like put other actors saying the lines that he would have said otherwise, like giving the other characters bigger roles. And they also did have a weird bit at the end um, where there's a letter that he writes, but obviously he can't read it out. I guess it was something he was going to say to her that um, Hamish reads out to Katniss. So they've got, they kind of work around it and you can kind of see the absence, but it's not as obvious as it could have been, like if you didn't know. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't seen that, those last uh, two movies. But yeah, I remember when he was revealed at the end of uh, the first, the second one, and he died. I was like, "Oh, it's a bummer." This is a grim subject, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I think that it's important to note that J.J. Abrams and Carrie Fisher, you know, for all that I, as someone who didn't know them personally, as you know, as far as you could tell, they uh, got along very well. And J.J. Abrams has a, a lot of respect for her, and I think that that will show in whatever they choose to do yeah i agree with that yeah um so we also got a couple other announcements like mark hamill's confirmed to be involved we could talk a bit about that soon but first i'm going to get through the other car- other people there's kerry russell um from felicity and she's elizabeth in the americans i haven't seen either of those things um naomi aki from lady Macbeth, richard e grant from logan and game of thrones and there's a fan theory he's playing Thrawn, which I don't know how I feel about that one, um, but I can kind of see it. Are there any particular thoughts on those three um, people? Carrie Russell was so good in The Americans. I watched the first season, um, and I loved it. I'm really excited to see her in Star Wars. She is a very versatile actress. In The Americans, she's playing a spy, so you get to see her do a lot of different uh, types of scenes, and then you also get to see her as this incredibly uh deep character who is who is carrying like the weight of the cold war and is also a very caring person and is a a ruthless person and she's just really good so i'm curious to see uh, what she does i mostly i saw that fan theory that richard grant is playing thrawn and i don't i don't think it's very likely but i kind (laughs) of thought it was funny and it gives a sense of i mean he's got the look for it kind of (laughs) um yeah i mean i I would really be very very surprised (laughs) at that but it kind of gives you the tenor (laughs) of his you know, his affect, I think. And uh, other than that, I'm glad that Abrams is mm-hmm. continuing his tradition of bringing new actors on. Um, Naomi Aki, uh, I don't know much about her, but it's cool to have another person of color involved. And uh, I'd be, I will be interested to see on how this uh, affects her, their, affects her career, rather. There's been some really great interviews about her where she talks about she's directing a, a feature Coming up, I don't know. I don't think the article that I saw actually had a title for it, but she's also working in directing. So she's doing a lot, and she, uh, I, I like that they're bringing in you know, people that have not been part of major franchises before. Yeah, that's something I love about the casting for these movies, is that like the main characters, like Rose and Finn and Ray, have all been cast with people who haven't been like big beforehand. Um, and they're all amazing actors, and they do so well in their roles. So I'm really excited to see Naomi, because obviously they want to cast her because she's going to be amazing. Yeah, and also she's adorable. <laughs> well, for me, my my biggest uh, fan theory or fan hope is Carrie Russell is a Knight of Ren. That's been that would be really cool that, because we haven't really had a dark side, you know, ish like lady in the films. And having her be like a like a lieutenant of like the Knights of Ren, she's kind of close to uh, Adam Driver's age a little bit. Um, so maybe like that would work. I, I don't know. Like I just I would love for her to be a Knight of Ren. One of these people has got to be a Knight of Ren, in my opinion. It's some. There's got to be some. <laughs> there better be something followed up with those characters. Well, I mean, they were JJ's thing, right? Right. So you'd mm-hmm. hope that he would bring them back, right? And I and I just you know, if I was a betting man. 
because I'm definitely not a Benny man. But if I was, <laughs> I would bet she's probably a, like a rebellion, whatever they're calling the resistance nowadays. At the, cause at, at, the very, at the very end of uh, Last Jedi, I can never tell what they're going with. But if it's a rebellion, I probably would assume she's some kind of rebellion general of some sort. But my my heart wants her to be a, a BA Knight of Ren. So that's what I'm going with, and I'm sticking to it. All right. That's that's what we're going with. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so then we go to Mark Hamill, who is confirmed to be involved. Uh, do we think we're going to see a Force Ghost, or will it be some kind of flashback thing? Because we've had those now. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about flashback. I would say, yeah. Here's here's what I think. I think that, and this is this has gone on record by, by tons of other places, but I tend to agree with them. I think Luke has a, a substantial role in this movie. I don't think it's a like. You know, a ten minute. I think he's going to be. In fact, what I'm hoping is between the Last Jedi and the and uh, Episode Nine that they've been talking already for a long period of time. So, like, there's um, like for like, you know, maybe the first time we see Luke as a Force ghost is like the twentieth time. Ray's talking to Luke like it's like it's almost like it's an everyday occurrence. She's like she's so sick of him. She's like Luke, go yeah, away. Yeah, kid. no. Th- think about how cool that would be. Like that would. And think about like the great prelude, like uh, ancillary material would get from it. Like the comic books. I'm thinking more of a novel. Like I think of like the time between episode eight and nine. If, if it's a long period of time, which we've heard that it possibly is, um, I would go with like, yeah, like that, how, how, how great would it be to read a book about the relationship of Ray and Luke force ghost Luke developing over time? Like you tell me that book wouldn't one be amazing. And just like everyone just like it fly off the shelves. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like it would be, I can't miss it. You can't do anything wrong with that. That's just my opinion though. I would really love that. And I like the idea that it might be because several years or however long might pass between episode eight and episode nine. I like that idea that he might just have been showing up to Ray the whole time. I do also wonder whether Abrams will go back to the story of the Knights of Ren and the story of the the Jedi Academy and sort of what happened in the past and that we might see Luke there because he has shown that willingness to do that in the past. I think it's more likely that we'll see a force ghost anyway. I'm like, I'm so glad he's in it. You know, I think his, uh, the ending they chose for him in episode eight was really good, but I'm always happy to see more of Luke. And I think it would be nice to see more of Luke now that we're not so sure of like what we're going to see with Leia because this was going to be like, you know, Leia's movie, yeah. but it's a bit harder to do now. Having Luke still be around, like, I guess is kind of, you feel like you haven't lost as yeah. much. Like, you've still got some someone there who's still holding up the fort. That's a good a point. That's a really good point. Yeah. I have no clue if that affects how they make the movie, but that's just my own feeling on it. So also with episode nine, we have a behind the scenes photo that J.J. Abrams tweeted because he's on Twitter. Um... He's new on Twitter, right? No, he's not. No, he is. It's he's been on since last year. Well, he's he. What I remember is he had a an account that he made that he locked, and then he unlocked it when he started filming episode nine. But everything that happened oh. in 2015 was all through Bad Robot. That w- that's right. Yeah, because yeah. I remember those things happening. Yeah, and he'd write. Yeah, he'd, so he had little notes, and he'd write on there saying J.J. Abrams. You know, you know what little post-it notes. And it'll be like on mm-hmm. the Millennium Falcon, yeah, like yeah, yeah. chessboard. Yeah, that was really cool. I'm glad he's keeping up that tradition because we've got a new photo from him, um, which is basically a photo of a camera, and in the background you can blurrily see the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, and you can see Finn, Chewie, and theoretically Ray. Her face is hidden, so who knows? Mm. Um, Finn's sporting a nice new vest, and he looks very happy, <laughs> um, and it's very cute seeing this like little group picture and i can't wait to see what shot this is from like in the movie because they're cute i love these people so i have a question do you think that he's wearing the jacket the same jacket that he wore in episode eight it looks to me like he just cut the arms off the jacket and made it into a vest (laughs) i don't know if that's what happened that would be such a fin thing (laughs) no it, it i think it doesn't look like the same jacket i think it's a whole new vest at least again this is all from a blurry picture right but it looks like it's it, he's wearing like all black, um, which he wore like a more of a tan shirt in the first one. 
um, or the last movie, excuse me. And it looks like he's wearing all black, like an all black um, shirt, long sleeve shirt with that, that a kind of a similar colored vest as the, the jacket. But it, it's different, at least from the again, it's a blurry picture. Who knows? It could be right. But it looks the, the texture looks a little different to me. Coloring yet same, but the texture looks a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Well, you know, All right. Well, you know, also, did you guys have a problem looking at this movie? The movie, sorry, looking at this picture uh, at first because I, when I first saw it, I, I I kept staring at the monitor. I didn't cause, because the way it was crooked. Yeah, I couldn't tell but yeah. the foreground. So I'm like, I can't see anything out of this stupid monitor. Everyone's like, I see Finn's new thing or new jacket or whatever. Yeah, people keep like. I think someone was like, oh, I see Chewie in it. And I was like, what? Yes. Chewie's in there? And I had to go back and stare at it for a while before I realized. It wasn't until someone propped it like a different way where I was like, oh, it's I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I definitely kind of thought people were seeing things for a little while. Really, really, and then really, I understood. Yeah. And really <laughs> Which fast. I guess is the point of a J.J. Abrams secret photo, yeah, right? If it, it was easy, it, it wouldn't be the same. Well, well, really fast, ladies. Do you guys, when you see like the person next to Chewie and Finn, which we assume is Ray, it looks like she's wearing an all white outfit, and it kind of reminds me of the Empire Strikes Back Leia outfit, right? Ooh. Yeah, same. Hang on, let me like take the a look outfit. Again. Because when I saw it, everyone's like, "I see a braid." I'm like, "You guys have like eagle eyes times ten because <laughs> I can't tell I that mean, at all." I mean, it does look like there's something like some kind of hair down there, like a ponytail or something, but it's really it's impossible to freaking tell because it's such a blurry photo. Right, but the, but she's wear- what's intriguing is that she's wearing all white. It looks like again, maybe that's not her though, or like something whitish. Yeah, yeah. yeah this it- photo is so magical. I keep spotting new things. I see <laughs> Chewy now. <laughs> I also agree that it, it looks right. like the Leia Hoth outfit, and I would love to see Ray go to an all-white outfit because color symbolism. And oh man, yeah, she's she had this sort of gray-blue at first, and then moved into. I guess she had the gray and tan in in episode eight as well. I'd have to think more about this to develop my Ray color symbolism theory. But I, anyway, I like her I'm gray outfit. that's cool about this photo. Yes, um, is that it's got the seven and the nine on it. So I'm guessing it's the same camera that they use for parts of seven, which is really cute. So they've put those numbers like kept the seven on there. Oh, oh yeah. that's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, so this photo is amazing, and if you haven't seen it yet and you like Star Wars, and I assume you do if you're listening this far into this podcast, you should go check out this photo on J.J. Abrams' Twitter, because it is just a magical photo, and every time you look at it, you find something. You're like, I literally didn't know the, realize there was a monitor there until Paul pointed it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful photo. We're all ridiculous. All right, so let's, let's move on from episode nine, because... You know, that movie's still a while away. So we've gotten some TV news at Star Wars. Star Wars. I saw the estimate with Star Wars. San Diego Comic-Con. Um, the Clone Wars got announced to be returning, which I remember, like, a day before this, I told my partner, um, I've been like, oh, people are, like, so sure the, Star- like, the Clone Wars is going to come back. There's no way. It's impossible. It's never mm-hmm. coming back. Yep. And then the next morning I woke up and it was everywhere. And I thought it was a joke for the longest time. Like, I was like, this is just a prank, right? <laughs> I started watching the trailer and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, this is just a really elaborate prank. And then when I actually announced it, I was just like, I did not see that coming at all. I was so blown away. Um... Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Well, I know of the three of us, we are, me and you are the, are the more stoked ones. And, and Megan, well, we'll give her a second before we, uh, let's bask in the positivity before Megan has a, ch- a chance to, to come in. But, uh, but it's, it's, but, but here's the thing, like, I was not expecting anything either myself. And it just blew me away. I was over the moon about this announcement. The Clone Wars saved my Star Wars fandom. It really did. 
after you know yeah the clone wars is what brought me into the star wars fandom once i actually started getting seriously into it, it yeah was the clone wars that did that yeah and like you know I, i've told the story a bunch i'll just paraphrase it basically you know i, I like the prequels i love revenge of the sith but i didn't you know i had a harder time connecting with episodes one and two since then i've definitely loved them even more i've always loved them because they're star wars but i had a trouble just connecting to them as as my same love as the other four films but I since then have, but it's thanks to the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars really helped bridge all those things that George was trying to, you know, do. He kind of got to flesh out through the Clone Wars, and I'm like, oh, now I totally get everything he's trying to do. It really did. It fleshed it out. Some people don't always think so, but for me, it worked completely. So this announcement was just just like it knocked me over with a feather. I was so over the moon. Um, and you know, and honestly too, what's interesting is that this is all people, you know, say like Dave Filoni is getting a chance to, you know, to finish it. It's the Clone Wars is saved. And I don't want to undermine those people by any means. Because I definitely feel Disney brought it back because they knew there was a demand for it. But let's be real here too. They have a very important streaming service that's coming up in in next year and a half. And <laughs> yep. they need they, they do not have content. They need content. In fact, they purchased... And they need to bring an audience mm-hmm. in as soon as it's Yeah, as well. and so they purchased a... Uh, spent $35 billion on content. So just in... You know, for Star Wars, they need everything. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we got, like, the Ewok films and the droids and Ewok cartoons, like, on this thing. I mean... On, <laughs> I would love that, oh, honestly. I would, too. I'd lose my... I'd lose my mind equally with the Clone Wars. But, I mean... And I don't want to... I'm not... And again, I'm not trying to rain, rain on anyone's parade, but here's the thing. If you want... And if you're... For, this is a different audience. This is a Den of Geek audience, right? So this is... I want people who haven't seen the Clone Wars... When you know, and if you haven't, go watch it on Netflix. Or if you're if you like the Clone Wars, like man, I should really, you know, I'm really excited about this. Make sure you watch it ASAP when it's dropped, because in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, I think if if that thing gets a ton of views, then it's coming back even more. I think they'll get more episodes. <laughs> I really believe that with all my heart, because they already. Ha- I do. Yeah. yeah, I wish that they hadn't um, done the. Clone Wars saved thing though, because I don't like them validating. Uh, hang on, my mic's doing something real weird. Let me just let me just fix that. Holding weird. Anyway, so I I really don't like that they validated the Clone Wars saved hashtag because uh, I don't like the idea of them validating a movement to change something that Lucasfilm has decided because that gives a very mm. questionable message to a lot of other fans who have their own hashtags. Um, like I appreciate the meaning behind it and it would have been lovely if we hadn't had all these other bad campaigns happening at the same time (laughs) um and like to be fair it was probably the marketing being like oh we can just use this to get people excited and stuff like that which is fair because i know how those big companies work somewhat but i'm still just like oh please don't validate these fans please don't like i mean the clone wars save the clone wars fandom like movement wasn't that bad like it was pretty chill basically the worst of it was just that panels at celebration to get someone be like save the clone wars when it wasn't even relevant to the panel um that was like the worst you got generally it wasn't harassment and stuff but i'm still just like iffy on them actually using that as like acting like that movement helped to change their minds mm. Mm. that makes sense anyways megan what are your yes thoughts? megan yeah i agree with that i also think that as in you know as is normal practice, right? They're following the money and they're following the hype. And there was a lot of hype for the Clone Wars. So this does seem like a very natural way to, as Paul said, uh, to bring people to the streaming service and to keep people excited about the Clone Wars. I'm a little worried that it means that they will stay. They will put a lot of energy into that to the detriment of other things. There was an interview recently that talked about how Dave Filoni was moving, um, other members of his team, I don't honestly know who, but people that he had worked closely with, uh, moving them to uh, important positions in resistance instead of filling that role himself. And it was presented as a very positive thing as this is, you know, more people are being trained to take command on Star Wars projects. And especially if those people are women or otherwise marginalized people, I think that's a great thing. And uh, Dave Filoni works with a lot of women, and Filoni knows a lot about Star Wars. He's a great person to teach and to hand things over like that. Um, But on the other hand, I think it's kind of 
strange that instead of focusing on a sequel trilogy era story that does have a lot of the hallmarks of Dave Filoni's um, interests on it, that they that he has moved over to the Clone Wars instead. I, I'm a little worried that it means that Resistance will be less focused than it could have otherwise, which I realize is ironic since one of my major <laughs> criticisms of the Clone Wars is that it doesn't have, like, consistent through lines and isn't focused. So I understand the potential irony there, but I am uh, interested in seeing kind of what this means for the behind the scenes of shows well, like I- Resistance Sorry. or um, whatever might come next. I have an article up on Den of Geek about things that I think the Clone Wars uh, can learn or has learned in the you know between now and when the final season aired on television. So that might be something you could read if you would like to hear more about my thoughts on that. You should definitely go read that. Um, I think Dave stepping away from. Dave is from like his pal um (laughs) my friend Dave my pal Dave we're all we're all chums um him stepping away from the resistance in such a big role to go back to the Clone Wars I think might be a strength of the resistance because I know a big criticism of Rebels ended up being that it kept aligning too much with the Clone Wars like it kept kind of like going back to like Ahsoka and Maul and I mean as much as I love that stuff because I love the Clone Wars it did definitely like feel kind of like a sequel series to the Clone Wars as opposed to its own thing a lot of the time and if Dave steps away yes. from Resistance in such a, like, directorial, creative, like, executive role, or, like, he's, like, he doesn't have such a heavy hand on it, it's possible that his Clone Wars, like, love will stay with the Clone Wars and the Resistance will become its own thing that doesn't have to worry about, like, being dragged back into the Clone Wars, if that makes sense. And I have no clue if it was going to be like that or not, but the fact that Dave is going back to the Clone Wars um, means that it might have a better chance of standing on its own. And also, I do like the idea of other people who've worked with him for a long time and who know this stuff quite well are getting a chance to step into that role themselves because having more people who can do that will always be better for more diverse stories anyways. I do agree. And although I may say, I think it's sort of a, it might be stretching Filoni thin. I also totally agree with you that it's good that we have more diverse uh, writers and that, you know, in any sense of the word, just people that are going to bring something new to it. I think that's a good thing. And I'm still curious to see what resistance is going to look like. Yeah. So speaking of, I have, Oh no, really fast. I have my excitement level for resistance is at a two out of 10. Huh? I'm just have zero faith in this looking like totally something I'd want to watch. I'm going to watch it and give it a legitimate chance, but I got to say the fact they haven't showed us anything yet and like it's supposed to come out in October. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Is there so little to look forward to right now? Because we don't really know what's going on. Do a very big solo thing and just suddenly we'll have so much stuff all at once. That's what I'm feeling. Potentially, yeah. And you know what? And here's the thing: if I'm going to give it a legitimate chance right now, I just I have no excitement for it. I just don't. I mean, it's again. There's nothing that I've seen from it besides like blurry photos that like make me go. Okay, whatever. I mean, I maybe it's because the sequel trilogy is, I think, been mishandled. That's a whole other podcast. But, I mean, we'll see. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it a chance, but not, not boding well so far. 
I'm really waiting to hear more about the characters. It's, I feel like lately, I personally have been doing a lot of speculation, and I'm looking forward to having something that I can look back on instead and saying, okay, here's, here's, you know, who this character is. It's hard to, you know, create a, a sort of a theory or have a conversation when we know so little about it right now. Yeah, I'm mostly excited because it's 2D animated, and I just want to see something different. Um, I mean, you all know how I feel about the color palette of Rebels, and I feel like it's not going to fall into that. So I'm, I'm excited for it mainly because of art direction, uh, which isn't that much. <laughs> but it's really, something. And really fast, though, I think they said that it's 3D now. Wait, did they? Didn't I? Yeah, I think they, like, it again, maybe I'm reading it, reading it wrong, but... I because I remember I, I remember Saf. They said it was two D, and then recently they said it was three D. Recently, I could be maybe I heard it wrong. I'll One have to of the research things a little more. that I would be interested to ask uh, Dave Filoni if I got the chance is what anime style means to him because anime can incorporate two D and three D, and it can mean you know different things depending on who you're talking to. And I'm really, really curious about how that um, directed the way they made artistic choices. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But Good I really show. would love to have some characters to, you know, to see. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to sure see something yep. Yep. from Resistance. Yep. Anything, really. Nice. I'll take still photos. <laughs> I think I think we'll definitely have something soon, right? Um, and, I mean, we have a release date, at least. Well, the release-ish date. It's going to be on Disney XD this fall, theoretically. I mean, now that we've recorded this episode, it's going to come out tomorrow. Absolutely. With, like, that's, that's a three-minute trailer. <laughs> definitely. No, it'll come out on, it'll come out on Thursday. Because they love Thursdays, right? Oh, yeah, true. They do love Thursdays. But, yeah, also, it's going to be on Disney XD, not the streaming service, so that's exciting. Um, oh, super exciting. For me, because I'll be able to access it a lot easier, <laughs> I think. Anyways, there's enough of Resistance since it's, like, fair no enough, fair on enough. it. So let's talk about the rumor <laughs> for the live-action TV show, because there's a rumor that it's going to be about Mandalorians. Um, obviously, this hasn't been formally announced anywhere. It's just a rumor, but it's a kind of exciting rumor, I think. What about you two? Oh, yeah. Whew! This yeah. is... I, I gotta tell you right now, this, this... If you would announce this 20 years ago, like, you know, or 25 years ago, when Mandalore, Boba Fett was at the peak of his popularity in the mid-90s, or I'm not sure if I, the math is right, but let's just say mid-90s, whatever how long ago mid-90s to now is, whoever, whatever that is, my math is bad, is if you would announce that 20 years ago, everyone would have lost their gosh darn mind man like seriously they would have been like oh my god and their heads would have all exploded and you know and because see, man- i'm imagining this announcement coming in like 2004 when the republic commando stuff was coming out and then oh, also that yeah. would have blown people's minds too yeah that's what I'm, that's what i'm saying like mandalore see people can hate on boba fett which i don't i love boba fett and they can say they think he's boring. You could say all that stuff. You have your title to your opinions. It's fine. But the here's the here's the thing. Mandalorians and the look of Boba Fett is one of the most marketable and I'd say uh, mer- a great merchandising effort for Lucasfilm. So if this is accurate, this is bona fide genius because they can sell this thing so easy. And the look, I mean, again, you have to, you're, you're trying to invest in something that, you know, they're going to put $10 million per episode into Oh, yeah, into that's the thing this. I forgot to so say, is that they're putting a lot of money into this this show. It's, like, going to be Game yeah. of Thrones level of budgeting, which, you know what, I was right. complaining before that, like, I probably wouldn't get into a Star Wars live action because I was like, it's probably going to be low budget and not that great. I was wrong. If they're going to be putting that much money into it, it's going to be looking <laughs> that good. Like, sure, I'll watch it. Yeah, and, and and think of it this way too: is that they're not going to be flying in space that much. It's going to be very limited on space stuff, which I don't really care. Space stuff is I like space stuff, but it's not my favorite thing about Star Wars. For me, it's all about the Force and you know character moments and things like that, like Solo. But um, you know when it wasn't in space, but uh, 
but but I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're going if you're gonna go a more um, a route like this, it makes sense because you spend a lot of money on the on the costumes, and you can reuse them, and you're getting a return. You're, you're kind of getting your money's worth out of it instead of like using it like a one time thing for you know for. Uh, a space, you know, whatever. So to me, it makes sense on so many different levels. And I think one of the, I, I said this on a couple of other podcasts, but I'm curious what you ladies think is one of the things that I get excited about is remember what John Favreau said on the, on the, um, on the red carpet of solo. He said that this is something that he's been working on for a long time without having it green lighted or anything, meaning he was doing it on his own. Like he created this idea and scripts for everything. Uh, again, it must be a pilot script, not like script. But I think he even said scripts, like multiple scripts. I'm not sure if that means multiple episodes or just multiple pilots or whatever. But this is something that he was inspired by. And I always go back to, you know, I don't mind corporate driven art, meaning I don't mind like the sequel trilogy is all corporate driven, done by, you know, big groups of people and and whatever, driven by money, whatever, all driven by money. I get it. Like, I don't mind that stuff. But when you have something that's like literally like Rogue One, right? Like John Knoll came in and said, hey, it's a great idea I came up with. And then it turned into Rogue One, which is, I think, the best Disney Star Wars movie and one of the best Star Wars movies. Um, when you get something that's more inspired like that, I think you have a better product a lot of times. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And for me, the fact that John Favreau has been working on this without it being like approved by George, obviously, or by Disney until recently, the fact that he has so much like he's put a lot of TLC into it is what I'm trying to say. And there's gonna be a lot of heart. And whether or not it means it's gonna be good. It remains to be seen, but I'm really excited because you can tell he's passionate about whatever he's writing. And if it's Mandalorians, oh my! I mean, think about it. He must have. He must be passionate because he voiced the Mandalorian for God's <laughs> sakes, right? So I mean, so for me, this is really exciting um, on multiple levels. So we're gonna get probably awesome looking Mandalorians, probably. And that's it's all rumor, but we're we'll probably get awesome Mandalorians. We're going to get a really, um, you know, something that a vision of John Favreau, who I love and trust, um, his vision of, of the series, which he has had for a long time. And the fact that we're going to have a high budget for it, it's, I mean, it, to me, it's like I, I'm probably more excited for this than anything, maybe even borderline a Kenobi film if that's ever going to be made. So, which I, I'm really excited for Kenobi. Like this to me, I think could change this could change Star Wars. This could change what they do with Star Wars going forward because of of this. You know, maybe we'll have more streaming movies. You know, so I'll stop talking. But I'm really curious what you ladies think. It's hard for me to speak to this one because I there are so many different types of Mandalorian stories that you can tell. You can tell Boba Fett's. Um, kind of not origin story because Boba Fett legends type stories and by that I do not mean clones I mean like protector of Concord Dawn like classic Mandalorian style stories that would not necessarily have Boba Fett as a character but they would have that sort of gunslinging attitude or you could do Clone Wars era Mandalorians with the conflict that's going on between the, uh, uh, my gosh, I forgot Bo-Katan's group's name, the rebel Mandalorians and the, the dominant Mandalorians. And then you could do Clan Wren stuff. I'd be really interested to see this tie into rebels in some way and talk about how the culture that Sabine is from and inform more about Sabine and about Ursa Wren. I think any of those things, of all those things, the first one is the least interesting to me, and the third one is the most interesting to me, because I want to know about the family dynamics. I want to know about, it could be a sort of an intergenerational story. I want to know how it will connect to things that we've seen already. That's about my thought on it. I am, Mandalorians do not immediately make me want to watch it like I think they're cool but it's not like oh I have to see that but that's fine okay, it, cool. I, yeah I wish I had like more to say about this but 
It sounds fine. <sighs> sorry, Paul. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm not sorry. You know, not all Star Wars has to be for everybody. But killing me, killing me, Megan. If it has really good action scenes, I'm definitely there <laughs> for really good action scenes. I just want to. I need the characters to latch onto, and I keep saying that right now because like, we're going to talk about alliances later. I've had fun talking about alliances. I've had fun talking about characters from like, you know, characters that I've known a long time, and we just don't have that yet for this. So we shall see. I know, but uh, I, I have a feeling that if I have a feeling you may be into it. I just I I could see it changing. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I need characters at the moment too, and also I'm not a huge fan of like Western TV stuff. So if it's like a Western styled sci-fi, I won't be as into it. But we'll see. We'll see. Nothing's been announced yet, so we'll see. Anyway, speaking of books, we actually had um, oh smooth transition there. Uh, but yeah, speaking of books, we had some book announcements at SDCC as well. Uh, lots of announcements at SDCC. It's such a big thing. Who would think? Um, we had Master and Apprentice, <laughs> written by Claudia Ray, which is from Del Rey. Claudia Gray. Yes. Qui-Gon. It's a Qui-Gon Obi-Wan story, which I'm excited about because I love that stuff. It's um, one of our closest looks at the prequel trilogy in the new canon. It could connect to Mortis because Qui-Gon was all about the living force. You go, you, you explain this to Megan. This this is complete speculation. This was just, like, I put that in the notes because I thought it would be neat, but just FYI, that's not been said anywhere. I just thought it would be cool. Yeah, I was thinking about that too because I, I, I would just like some kind of living force stuff. I want more force mysticism, basically. Also, I love that we have Claudia Bra- Clay. Why can I never say her name? It's such an easy name. Claudia Gray. Claudia Del Rey. You take the last name when you are employed. That's how it works. Claudia Del Rey. <laughs> That's funny. Corporate dystopia. That's pretty funny. We've got Claudia Del Rey and EK Disney Publishing. Um, <laughs> yes. Your name is actually yeah. Saf Den of Geek now. Sorry. I didn't <laughs> oh, tell no. you before. <laughs> no, now everyone knows my real name. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm really excited to see more Claudia Gray because she's, she's always been like a really solid Star Wars author um, and I'm also really excited to get more Qui-Gon Obi-Wan because I love the Jedi Apprentice books I still love yes. them, the good books yes they were so formative for me and I, yes, it's same. not like I mean I remember specific things about them but they just also shape the way I picture a lot of the prequel locations and the prequel relationships and stuff and I'm really excited to return to that. I have a feeling that Claudia Gray is also going to draw a lot from that stuff because it's it's she's a fan too, right? So I look forward to returning to that and getting a Jedi focused story. This is where I'm like, yeah, like I'll watch anything with Jedi in it, you know. Yeah. Yep, big fan. Well, I, lo- I love that Jedi stuff. Well, don't forget, too, that she wrote that amazing short story in um, that Star Wars. Oh, my gosh. What can't think of it? Uh, Insider? No, no. The Star Wars uh, oh. short stories uh, book, the, the, A New Hope. Um, oh, from a certain right, point yeah. of yeah, view. From, 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 yeah, bleh, from a certain point of view. That um, Obi-Wan uh, story where you know he's talking to Qui-Gon, like ghost or spirit. And I I loved that thing to death. That was definitely yeah. That was so good. So I think she obviously must have got it just based on that. And I don't know if we're gonna get more living force. We may, but I think it's gonna be mostly before the Phantom Menace. But to be honest, I'll take any Qui Gon and Obi Wan I can get because those are some honestly yeah yeah because Obi Wan's one of my favorite characters. Qui Gon, to be honest, I love Qui Gon, but he's not been in the saga or the in Star Wars that much for me to like say oh he's one of my favorite characters i mean i guess both if it wasn't either but yeah i was about to say oh, okay stop okay fair enough fair enough i got i proved myself <laughs> wrong okay um but no i i i love i love qui-gon i to, to be honest in order for me to really latch on to him i need to see a little bit more of his character in different stories so which i've loved him in clone wars when he showed up with even you know little he has so um so yeah like i you know, I, I just would like I, I can't wait to see more Qui Gon or to have you know read and hear about more new Qui Gon, and I think hopefully we'll get maybe some. Hear about this? What if it takes place between episodes three and four and has flashbacks to like before episode one? 
Oh, that's like the best of both worlds right there. So like, so it's like him talking to Qui-Gon like throughout, you know, for a while. Because they've already established a new canon besides that book. That there's, um, he's, uh, trying to, he's trying to talk to Qui-Gon Jinn um, in one of the comic books uh, where he's like taking on uh, this like Jabba's people or something like that. He's like kind of like being like a, a vigilante basically. And he's kind of forsaken the force. But then he um, he basically is like talking to Qui-Gon, but he hasn't, you know, he's talking like he's there, but he's not answering back. And he's kind of, but he kind of talks about accepting his like more of his, you know, his surroundings a little bit or his, his uh, situation. Um, at the end of the issue, he's, he's talking to Qui-Gon. So um, I would love for something like this. But, I mean, I also hope that we get an Obi-Wan film and Liam Neeson shows up or something like that. How amazing would that be? Oh! So anyway, yeah, mm. I, I can't wait for this book. This is one of my most anticipated books. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine Liam Neeson doing an audio book for this? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I'm fainting. So I'm, like, fanning myself. I almost fainted. <laughs> oh. Same here. Oh, whoo. Same. Whoo. Oh, don't, I, don't say if, that. If there are any references in this to, like, the Jedi Apprentice books in any way, I will cry. Like, I will just straight up burst into tears. I will be so happy. So, uh, Claudia Gray, if you're listening to this, sorry for saying your name wrong a bunch of times, but also <laughs> <for> that. <laughs> That's awesome. So we also get another prequel era book, um, one that has been, like, rumored for ages and everyone's been really looking forward to. It's Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston from Disney Publishing, and it's about Padme. It's finally happening. I'm still so, (laughs) like, baffled and pleased that we're in a Padme renaissance all of a sudden. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she was in Alliances, she's gonna be in this, there's Padme merch nowadays. It's just very amusing to me. She's not really one of my favorite characters, but I will Same. definitely keep an eye out on this, and I think that it will be cool to see more about the Handmaidens. Fans have been saying for years and years, for decades, that people should write more about the Handmaidens because they're essentially like yes. a special ops unit, but no yeah. one talks about them because they're it's ladies so cool. who wear dresses. So this book might actually give us the Handmaidens special ops unit. Hmm. I, we can only dream. Um, apparently it's also, the timeline of this book is compressed, so I imagine it's going to be spanning a lot of time. So that was... A lot of time in a small amount of time, or a small amount of time in general? I thought, so that was from one of the interviews that talked about, um, sort of, it was all very vague, but the word that I highlighted was compressed, because to me, that meant that it's going to be very short, like a, it'll take place in a short amount of time, and it will be pretty self-contained. So not um, really dealing with, like, the entirety of the Clone Wars, but really focusing on one particular adventure that Padme has. That's what I think that means. I don't necessarily know I'd if that's I'd be true. okay with that, because I've been struggling with a lot of the books because they're not compressed. I mean, that was one of the things I struggled with Ahsoka, is that it kind of just went all over the place. Um, I haven't read a bunch of the newer novels, so I can't comment on those, but I like the idea of that. Also, I just, I'm just excited for Padme. Like, I... I want to cover with Padme on my shelf, and it's going to happen, and I'm very excited about it. It is going to happen. Oh my god, it's actually happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really excited about this book, <laughs> to be quite honest, and it's just because I don't really... There's always one of us. I, there is. There is. No, 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 bear with me for... No, no, I mean, no matter what it is, there's always one of us that's not fully excited. That's yes, true. we're all falling into our roles very well this episode. <laughs> we're such, like, we're such take a, a drink when yeah. Megan says she doesn't care about non-force users, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, it's 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 we we are a very well-rounded podcast team, right? So, uh, but no, I, I, here's the thing: I, I want I don't mind having more Padme. She's not my favorite character, and it goes with just kind of how some of that is on George because the way he wrote the character. It's also a little bit on yeah. Natalie. Don't like the way she would performed it, but it's both their faults, in my opinion. Um, that being said, like. I am interested, like what the premise is about how she turns from the queen, because I'm I, I am interested in how the politics of Naboo work, because I always thought that was kind of weird, like she's just not yeah. the queen. But here's the thing: how's that going to be interesting for an entire like you know young adult novel? Uh, I'm a little worried about it. So I mean, other things are going to happen in it, surely. I mean, like Princess of Alderaan. Don't don't use that it's kind example. Of a similar kind of like premise 
of Leia learning to be a princess, and like a lot happens in that book. Yeah, but it's not, a book's not very good either. Uh, at least for me, I, I agree that um, E.K. Johnson had a challenge here because Padme was not well established in the movies, and especially there there are instances where I think she was what the plot needed her to be, and not much else. So yeah. I think that uh, this author has her work cut out for her in making Padme consistent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Like I said, also, I, I mean, she yeah. has a bit more freedom in building Padme up as a character. Yeah, that's actually that's a good point true. too. That's, that's a really good point. Listen, I'm gonna we're gonna you know I'm gonna review the book for this for the podcast. Even if I wasn't on the podcast, I'd still listen to it because I want to read it. And you know, all the new Star Wars books and whatnot. That's my that's my jam. And I'm gonna give it a legitimate chance, and maybe I'll like it. You know, I mean, it's but I just. Just hearing this premise, I'm like, I hope it's going to be more interesting than just like, let's find out the politics in the boot, which interests me, but just not for an entire novel. So we'll see. Yeah, and this is not, it's not a resource book, right? It's not a guide to the politics of Naboo. It will, I think, show those things in an interesting way. And if uh, yeah. Princess of Alderaan isn't a preferred comparison, Bloodline is another one that had at I its did core love Bloodline. Yeah. A, a politics question, a how did the New Republic become what it is in the sequel trilogy? And that was a very, you know, fast paced, like very yeah, that's true. well done book. Mm. Yeah, that- it's easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it's like, it's definitely a thing to tackle these kinds of questions without it just being about the politics. No, I, I I know. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> what, what's what's next in the docket, Seth? What's this on the docket? Well, I'll tell you, it's Drawn Alliances, which is our final thing. We're not going to talk about it too much, mostly because I haven't read it, and also we've talked a whole bunch about other stuff already. Like I said, our next episode is going to be in-depth on Thrawn Alliances, so if you yes. want to hear more about that, finish the book, and then if you haven't, <laughs> like me, and then listen to our next episode when it comes out. So we're just getting our general ideas about it out. Megan, you finished it. What do you think? Yes, I liked it, and I liked it more than I expected to because the first Thrawn novel was not what... Good? It, yes. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> just say it, Megan. Um, it feels good. so hard to be diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right, I was gonna not gonna hold it back. It wasn't good, <laughs> but I like this one a lot better. I thought it was uh, interesting because it had Anakin and Padme as main characters, along with Thrawn. It was uh, exciting to see Batu, which is the planet that's going to be the setting for Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Disney World. There was a part where they go, well, there were several parts where they go into a cantina, and I was just like, I'm going to get to eat at this cantina. Like, this is (laughs) the ad for the theme park, and I am fine with that, because I want to be able to walk into a Star Wars novel. That is my dream, and I can now do that thanks to the good folks at Disney. <laughs> so Thanks, Disney. Yeah. Um, this podcast brought to you by Disney. So oh, I wish. Hey, it, Disney, sponsor us. Then we'll, we'll have to change our you. last names from Den of Geek. So <laughs> I think it was a good book, and especially if you like Thrawn. Thrawn himself had definitely, there was like at least one moment where it was like, he has this observation that he says is like, only he can figure it out. And I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was at this big pivotal moment of like, I know this person thinking this thing so I can make this prediction. And it was like, he knew that someone was unhappy because they furrowed their brows or they narrowed their eyes. It was like a really obvious thing. Like, Thrawn has like basic emotional understanding of people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, I think in Star Wars, it's kind of rare. And well, I was just thinking like, he's there with Anakin Skywalker. So maybe that's, maybe that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I will say this and Anakin will never know otherwise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it was a good book. The, all the dynamics between the characters were really good. It had some good Vader, Anakin stuff. It was um, a positive development in the Thrawn mythos, I think. I have a question for you, actually. Okay. Could I get away with reading this book without reading the first Thrawn? Absolutely. Yes, yes. I would say okay. if you really want to read the comic, but like, heck, read the Wikipedia entry. 
this one is has two parallel stories and it reflects mostly on off of itself. So like you will have all the information that you need and it doesn't parallel the previous Thrawn novel at all or in terms of like the yeah. plot and the information that you need. So I So I've read or I've listened to a a, a little bit of it. I haven't really got I've just been listening to a lot of podcasts. I I need to get need to finish this obviously. But I've liked what I've listened to so far and Saf I read the book, not not a fan of the book really. The comic book's a little bit better. Uh, I've read a few of the issues. I just had no interest of going back reading that st- specific story. But <laughs> but I think you would enjoy the comic a lot more. Um, it's just, he's going to get up to speed a little bit. It's only six or five or six issues. I think it's only six issues. So it's like, if you have access to it, go get it and just read it. It's not too terribly long, but I, okay. So you're listening to it at the moment, right? Yeah. I haven't finished it in the midst of listening to it. Yeah. How is it like, sorry, my doorbell just went off. Um, (laughs) so is it like enticing you to come back? Do you want to listen to more? No. Yeah, it, it, it is. I just, I just, you know, I've just been, you know, I'm really bad with like with books in general, and even with audio books. Oh, I know, but I also know that like you can tell like sometimes you listen to a book and you're like, ah. Oh, no, like it's it's been interesting. Like the one thing that I'm, it's funny because I just talked about I wanted this in the Obi Wan and Qui Gon book, but this only for that because it makes a little more sense and I love those characters more. But I'm a little sick of going back and forth in timelines, kind of like I kind of want to tell mm. like one narrative story, and that's what this book is. It just goes back and forth a lot and it's getting a little old to be honest because interesting it'll go from like Thrawn and and Vader to Thrawn and Anakin to Padme to Thrawn and Vader oh so that's how it has Anakin Mm -hmm. and Vader yeah I hope it doesn't spoil it yeah I'm not sure I don't mean to spoil it I also noticed that there have been a couple books Last Shot did that and uh, Thrawn Alliances did that and I do want to say that I, I like it I think it's cool I think it's dude for writers it's so challenging to do that so i think it's it's cool that they're doing that mm-hmm. but i also understand that are you giving me flashbacks to like kenobi <laughs> that mm-hmm. always like mm-hmm. dodged away from obi-wan's point of view like and i where i just wanted one long like seamless narrative so i totally get it uh that you want like the seamless narrative but i also have to be like yeah but this formatting is like basically they're making it harder than it would have been otherwise and i respect that no, that's true. I just, I'm to be honest, I just would like a little bit of a break from it. And and like I said, I if they do that with 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 the Obi Wan and Qui Gon book, totally down with it because I think it fits. It fits because there's more of a precedent to have because you have an idea of what Obi Wan is like at. Episode one, and then obviously throughout the trilogy or throughout the trilogies, oh my be- because he's been around forever. But like, you could go back and forth. But with Thrawn, it's and you know, it's just kind of like eh, I don't know. It's 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 all right. I, I I'm excited to finish it. It's been interesting. They make Zon makes Batu sound awesome. Like I want to go. I cannot wait. This book has enhanced my my desire to go see Star Wars Land. I refuse to call it Galaxy's Edge. You just blew my mind with the idea that the Qui-Gon book might include flash-forwards to the Phantom Menace. <laughs> See, girl, I'm telling you. I, mean, I don't necessarily think, like, I, I was expecting it to be linear, but I, that would, with what she did and from a certain point of view, I would have so many emotions. <laughs> I know! But, but totally agree about Batu. The advertising worked. I definitely mm-hmm. want to go. For sure. Okay, so final thoughts on Thrawn so far is it's better than the first one, and now we all want to go to Batu. Yes. Um, <laughs> tune in next time for a more in-depth review of Thrawn Alliances, in which I will actually be able to contribute. <laughs> this is us for this episode. We'll be back soon with our next episode. Thank you for listening to us. Leave us a nice review on iTunes, because we love those. Yes. Um, also a rating, because those are good too. Where can we be found online? Paul, where can we find you? And also, where can we find Blaster Cannon online? You can find Blaster Cannon on Twitter at Blaster Cannon Pod. Uh, that's C-A-N-O-N for, for Cannon, in case you didn't know. Um, like a Bang Bang. No, not a Bang Bang Cannon. No, the like, of a bang like, bang cannon. like Bible Cannon or Star Wars Cannon. Yeah. Yeah, kind of can. <laughs> um, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. And you can also find me on Marvel Newscast. We have a new Patreon set up. That's, I think, a lot of fun. Um, just for like a dollar a month, you get a bunch of exclusive, a lot of legit content, like 
you know, four episodes a month of, you know, at least a half hour over of extra podcasting and, and plus other stuff that Sean does. Really cool stuff we're doing over there. I'm really excited about that. And um, also another Star Wars podcast with my good friends Tim and Kyle. The saga continues. Uh, a lot of fun doing that. So, yeah, check me out over there as well. All right, Megan, where can people find you online? I can be found on Twitter at blog full of words. I write for starwars.com and my latest piece for them is about Anakin and Obi-Wan. I also have contributed to the roundups for the best of the clone wars and the best of rebels, which are really fun. I definitely recommend looking at those if you want to read about, uh, those shows from a bunch of starwars.com's writers. I also write adventure games. I you can find my text games at philomela that's p h i l o m e . l a slash blog full of words. Nice. Um, and you can find me at Wanderlusten on Twitter. I'm currently on a Twitter break, but that's where I am. Um, you can also find me at notsafework.com, which is where my podcast network also on a break. Can also be found. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next month with more Star Wars. Check out Den of Geek for more Star Wars and pop culture coverage. Let them know if you love us because I'm sure they would love to hear that as well. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 